0: Previously, on Little Bit Leave It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca.
1: So, English listeners, what is the difference between microwaving hot water and putting a tea bag in and using hot water from the kettle and then pouring that over a tea bag? I know there's a difference. I know you're very offended by microwaving hot water, and I'm okay with that. I own a kettle. I don't really drink hot leaf water all that often anyway, but inquiring minds need to know.
0: I think. That it has less to do with the way the water is heated up than the idea that you're pouring the water on the tea versus dunking the tea bag in the water.
1: I mean, this is easily Googleable, but I need to hear your personal experiences with hot water and hot leaf bags.
0: Well, think about like the coffee analogy would be the pour over, right?
1: Yeah, that's too fancy for me.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's a fancier supposedly more flavorful and delicious way of preparing the coffee and i think that's the analogy to taking the water through the tea as opposed to dunking the tea in the water
1: all right well now that we've had this incredibly educational useless off-topic discussion
0: yeah let's get into love island season six episode 28 we've got a really fun episode to talk about as you all know
1: we've got a mature audience warning again and one of the Best Love Island games, the tabloid game, eyes will roll, heads will shake, shit's going down.
0: We've also got the first part of our interview with Worldwide Casting. We're going to be talking to Kathy and Joel about how they cast people on reality TV shows and they've got some tips as to how you can get cast yourself.
1: You know, that interview was surprisingly heartwarming and I can't wait for you all to hear it too.
0: We're also going to get into a few elements of culture shock. And there's not much fashion, unfortunately, on this episode. We didn't get a new night, but we do have a couple things to talk about.
1: Let's just hit it before we quit it. So this one kicks off with Demi and Jamie. She thanks him for a lovely date and the wine tasting as though it was his idea. Dem-dem, he gets no credit. He just showed up. Off to the side, Luke T and Luke M are observing this little chit chat and Luke T remarks that, gee, there's a lot of laughing. Has Luke T not seen Demi in action?
0: But he also points out that perhaps she is not telling Jamie that she just kissed Luke M.
1: Oh, she's definitely not telling Jamie that, but also Demi laughs at everything and her date with Finn was super laughy and...
0: Yeah, the laughter does not necessarily indicate a whole lot when we're talking about Demi.
1: Thankfully for Luke M, Natalia comes and borrows Jamie in a great homage to reality dating show culture.
0: Yeah, On Love Island, these types of things stick out so much more because so few of the islanders actually resort to this at this point.
1: Well, she does it on purpose. She does it for a laugh.
0: That's the only way you can do it.
1: Yeah, it was very self-aware. She uses that language on purpose and Demi got a good laugh out of it, too.
0: And then... She does seem to be laying it on a little bit with Jamie, right?
1: Well, the fact that she's only 20 was a little bit surprising and also not surprising. It does explain her, some of her immaturity. Not all of it. I'm sure there are 20-year-olds out there that are more grown up than me, but...
0: Probably not. I hope not for their sake. But I will say at least Natalia picks a guy who is supposedly like her type. I can actually believe that maybe she likes Jamie.
1: Yeah, definitely. So anyway, Jamie goes to chat with the guys and mentions that they don't seem to use the bottom level of the villa much, which was weird.
0: I didn't even pick up on that. I mean, what is at the bottom of the villa? The fire pit?
1: Well, the guys say that they go to the gym sometime. Right. He asks for a tour, which is how I would get a guy to go walking off into the dark with me if I wanted some alone time. And what do you know, Callum volunteers to give him a tour.
0: Yeah, maybe there's something going on between Callum and Jamie.
1: Well, Callum knows that Jamie wants to talk about Casa more with him. In a show of maturity from Callum, he goes and gets it over with.
0: Yeah, Mr. Drying himself out.
1: So they go to the snog porch to discuss this. There's a large group of other islanders who are very aware of this conversation and discussing it. Molly looks especially uncomfortable while Jamie and Callum discuss Callum's ethical choices. Yes. And then- At this point, is what Callum did so bad that they really need an outsider to step in and referee?
0: Yeah. Jamie comes in and says, well, I just want to give him my perspective as a guy who is objective and not part of the situation. And Shauna, of course, tells everybody that Callum did it the wrong way. Nas did it the right way at Casa Amor. And no one wants to push back on her on this point, really. what did you think
1: well to be fair why didn't any of the guys stand up for her if they all claim to be her big brother if they all claim to be her friend why did nobody say hey man not that he shouldn't pursue molly nobody told nas not to pursue eva
0: so here's what i'd say is that there's a lot of conversations that we don't see as viewers
1: no they just sit there silently when they're not on tv
0: yeah, absolutely. So Callum doesn't really like Shauna all that much going into Casa, really, right from when original Connor gets booted out of the house. He's seen the red flags. She's kicked out original Connor, his best friend, and then she engineers Sophie leaving. I mean, she's the one who engineered Connor with a G picking Sophie. I mean, at this point, it's been this pattern and the date they had in episode 13 was almost like the blip where they could have maybe fashioned a relationship out of what they had going. But I think it fades pretty quickly. I wouldn't be that surprised that the guys weren't pushing back all that hard because the guys probably had had conversations with Callum where Callum's saying, you know, I don't know how much I'm really feeling, Shauna. And I bet those conversations were prior to Casa Amor.
1: Those conversations should have ended in a dumper, man.
0: Well, I guess he could have dumped her before Casa Amor.
1: Meanwhile, Jamie on his own in the beach hut says that he would have definitely said something to Callum at Casa. But I think that's horseradish.
0: Horseradish? Hockey, really?
1: Hockey sticks.
0: What is this? What kind of podcast <laughs> is this now?
1: Fiddlesticks! It's I call shenanigans because he wasn't there before and didn't have any pre-existing relationship with these guys. He wasn't at Casa seeing things go down. It's really easy to say, well, I would have said something, but mm, hush.
0: Yeah. As viewers, we don't see the full picture. We yeah. see what the producers show us.
1: But on the other hand, we probably know more than some islanders because we see conversations that they are not in.
0: Yeah, there is that level of dramatic irony where we know things that the cast doesn't. But the flip side of it is there's tons and tons of stuff that the cast knows that we don't know. And I think that when you look at some of the YouTube interviews that people have done, you can see how much that really is.
1: Yes, and this will actually come up later this episode in a big way. So Shauna, not willing to let this point rest, and I do have some empathy for her in here. She is talking alone with Mike in the kitchen and asks him specifically why he didn't stand up for her. He says that, listen, we were going with this follow your heart mentality. We wanted everyone to find who they needed to be with. And she said, well, that could be applied to any cheating anywhere. And I kind of see both sides of this because Callum should have moved on as he did Mike lamely tries to get out of it. Nobody's right here. Nobody's wrong here.
0: She's not wrong when she says that follow your heart can be a justification for some pretty ugly behavior. But I also think it's important to keep the context of Shauna and Callum's relationship in mind. They had known each other for three weeks. It's not as if they were married.
1: No, or exclusive. That's what I mean. Like Mike's not wrong either.
0: Look, I think the listeners to the podcast know what I think. She's been faking it this whole time, and now she's upset that she is not going to have a chance to get to the finals, it looks like.
1: So Jamie, also not willing to let this whole thing rest, pulls Shauna to talk about his chat with Callum. And at least Jamie does see Callum for who he is. Young, inexperienced, clueless, but not bad.
0: Yeah, just a naive inexperienced guy
1: and then he gives Shauna a really great backhanded comment saying that she's much nicer than he expected and more mellow he thought she was gonna be all bah.
0: well I think the first dozen or so episodes of the show that's the edit is she is aggressive she's bitchy but she's really funny She's smart. And in those episodes, she comes off like she might be a little bit of a tough nut, but I like that. So especially the first time I watched it, Shauna was definitely the girl that I really was rooting for.
1: I wouldn't say aggressive. She's more underhanded. Ooh. I think she's underhanded. A lot of her machinations happen behind people's backs or under her breath. You know what? You're right. Or couched in friendliness.
0: You're absolutely right. She's passive aggressive.
1: She's a snake and I love her. So from one snake to another, Mike is in the kitchen still again?
0: Still, I guess. And now he is giving wonderful compliments to Shaunice and Luke T. In
1: a very sociopathic way, right, Ben?
0: Totally. It's immediately followed by, so am I invited to your wedding?
1: I think he was really genuine.
0: Yeah, I do too, actually. I thought it was really funny. It's a great moment for Mike, who I think has just an outstanding episode. Mike is great in this episode.
1: Mike builds up some good karma, which pays off immediately because there's another text. This is a very texty episode.
0: Very texty. It's time for The Hideaway.
1: And Mike and Priscilla are just about unanimously voted in, although I would have liked to have seen Callum and Molly react to this because I'm sure Molly is a little bit jealous.
0: She's a jealous Jenny.
1: That's a new one.
0: It is. I just made it up.
1: They go do their dressing room ceremonies. Yes, a
0: bedding ceremony, as we learned in episode 14 of Little Bit Leave It.
1: You're going to say that every time, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: Priscilla puts on some brown lingerie that matches her skin tone. Her hair is phenomenal.
0: She also does that thing where she reveals the lingerie to everybody, not just to Mike. It's to everybody.
1: But she's not sweating it because she knows Mike is going to bring it. And all she has to do is relax.
0: We see Mike throw some whipped cream on Priscilla's thigh.
1: He does his stripper hump. Mike is sex on a stick. I'm sorry. I try not to sweat these islanders too bad.
0: Similarly, I think Priscilla is probably the best looking female islander this season.
1: Who's the hottest male islander?
0: Um. Well, for me, being a straight guy, my views on what might be attractive is a little different. I would probably go with Finn.
1: Okay. I think if you take in the whole package, then yes. Connor with a G is probably the best looking. Right. But he doesn't have the whole package the way that Finn does. Mm Mm-hmm. Calvin was the one I was initially the most attracted to, but he's a wet wipe. He's not a bit of me. Okay. On a side note, though, I just want to mention that while this whole betting ceremony is going on, Jess and Chad are slow dancing on the stairs, which was very cute, very romantic, and very dangerous. Kids, the stairs are not a place to play.
0: Now, I bet that Jess and Ched wish they had gotten to bed a little bit earlier than they did because they get woken up or more accurately, Finn gets woken up and Demi by a text and he goes and tells Jess, hey, your phone's going off.
1: They have a date and they are good sports about it, which I am happy about.
0: They are going to
1: the beach. They are going to see the penguins in a scene I can smell.
0: Yeah. I am wondering about that now that you bring it up. How romantic would it be to be around a bunch of wild birds who are probably not the cleanest? I don't know. I've never really hung around with penguins.
1: We went to the zoo a few weeks ago.
0: Oh, yeah, we did. Did They were penguins. Did they smell? Yes. Okay. All right. There we go.
1: Big piles of birds on rocks smell.
0: Okay. So this probably. That's science, yo. That's science. So it probably was not very romantic.
1: No, we need to talk about Wallace for a second.
0: Oh, yeah, because they named the penguin Wallace.
1: Ched names a penguin Wallace. And at first I was confused, like Wallace and Gromit, Wallace, the former Islander. Ched didn't even know him. But the penguin does kind of have a Wallacey vibe. It's cute. It just stands there. It doesn't say much.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that it was Wallace and Gromit, but it could have been Love Islander Wallace. They, of course, compliment each other on their maturity and their intelligence. I and mean, these are two people whose egos are not suffering, right?
1: Okay, but wait a minute. Chad is a whole lot of catch, okay?
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Have- I'm not saying that he's not mature and intelligent. It was just a funny conversation like, oh, you're so smart. No, you're so you're so mature. No, you're so mature. But
1: at least there's evidence of Ched's catchiness. They're not just telling each other this. He's already talked about his feminism and his beliefs. He wants to own land. He wants to start a partnership with his future wife. He wants to start a family business. Like Ched is a solid human being. Ched's got plans. Ched's got goals.
0: I am not denying any of that.
1: Ladies, jump on the Ched train.
0: I'm a Ched fan. Look, I think that's been established, but I can still think this conversation is kind of weird and funny.
1: And then Ched pulls out the home run. This is what clinches him and Jess, I think. He tells her that when they go back to England, he lives about 30 minutes from Cambridge, which is also very fortunate for them. He is going to sit on the outside when they go to brunch with Eve. And him bringing in her sister just looks really surprised. I don't even think she's been thinking about Eve this whole time. And so for him to bring up her sister like that in such an accepting, inclusive way. Boom. Ched for the win. Okay. And then they talk about their parents accepting one another. Ched gets some lip gloss. Overall, super cute date. It was nice to spend some time with them.
0: Yeah, even if it didn't smell particularly good. But back at the villa.
1: Good thing there's no such thing as smell-o-vision.
0: Good thing. Back at the villa, it's the morning after. And we've got reports from Mike and Priscilla.
1: Everybody knew Mike would dance. They confirm it pretty much the first sentence.
0: Yep. Priscilla says Mike is great. Mike mentions the whipped cream, to which Callum says, "Oh, I just would have, you know, housed it, put it in my mouth and ate it.
1: And he makes a pulley Shore face. If you're young, look it up.
0: all Nobody under 35 is going to understand that.
1: Go look it up. Or
0: over 45, I guess. So I don't know how this quickly became a Pauly Shore podcast.
1: I don't know. So Priscilla says it was 10 out of 10, but he will never hear that from her, which I did have to roll my eyes at because come on, communicate. Tell your partner they did a good job and you like them.
0: But the real morning after report.
1: The one we've all been waiting for.
0: Yes, is Mike's induction into the Breakfast Club.
1: Where I would like to mention that Luke M is the Jack Fincham of the crew.
0: Really? I thought of him more as the Emilio Estevez of the Breakfast Club.
1: No! Jack was allowed to be part of the DBS, even though he hadn't gotten any. Luke M. has been spectacularly unsuccessful, and yet he is an integral part of the Breakfast Club. Luke M. is to the Breakfast Club, as Jack Fincham is to the Dubit Society.
0: Oh, totally. Put that
1: on your SATs and smoke them.
0: I agree with all of that. So Luke T., Luke M., and Finn explain the code to Mike And Mike reveals that he had some tomato and some tomata.
1: Yes. Kudos to Mike for understanding the Latinate endings right away.
0: While the guys are talking about tomatoes and avocados, Paige has her own little breakfast grilling session.
1: And she claims that she interrogates everybody. So it's not just about Jamie. So ladies, if you're interested, his life is gym, work, gym. Although he would give up one of his gym sessions if he met a special girl. He's not into Tinder. He's ready to settle down at 28 years old, which is not a crazy age. I mean, they feel so young, but we were married already at 28.
0: I was 29 when we got married.
1: Yeah. You were 28. Yeah, Yeah, you'd been 29 for like three weeks. Excuse me. For a month. Are you done? Are you quite finished?
0: Are you done?
1: Yes, I'm done. I'm leaving. You can finish this by yourself. Okay. So Paige, a bit shocked, says someone has to get up the duff in a year, which didn't really seem necessary because he didn't say that.
0: Yeah. And up the duff, of course, pregnant, right?
1: Yeah, but we're going to get into that in culture shock.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry.
1: Every time I define a slang term, you always ask me about the origin. So this time I came prepared, motherfuckers. Get ready. At this point, Jess and Chad return. They leave the heavy ass door wide open, which really pissed me off because, hello, Chad? Chad can't close the door. Who the hell is going to close this door?
0: I'm assuming they left the door open because they had a TV crew behind them and they were actually saying, oh, we shouldn't close the door on the TV crew. But
1: they were literally commenting on how heavy the door was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they probably wanted to leave it open for the camera crew. That would be my guess. Because I, I saw the same exact thing. I said, why would you leave the freaking door open? And then that's the answer. It's because they had a bunch of people with them.
1: Fair enough. The girls chat about the date. Demi looks legit pained about the cuteness of penguins. Demi is actually in pain about it. The guys talk. Mike is surprised that Ched didn't squish one of the penguins. The penguin named Wallace is a big hit. And when Ched says that he wants he and Jess to keep going well as they are, he gets a big aw. And a wonderful display of brotherly love.
0: Mike is full of really great one-liners throughout this episode, but I don't think he was prepared for what happens next.
1: No. Mike asks Shauna about Jamie. She said that she's not getting a hot read off him and she's not going to force it. So nice moment of maturity there.
0: And I think it's that she doesn't like him because I think pretty clearly Jamie likes Shauna. He wants to be Shauna's couple half. I how, what, what, is, what is the word? I
1: thought you were going to say coupley couple and I was fine with that.
0: Okay. He wanted to be with Shauna in a coupley couple.
1: Yes, but Shauna reveals that she has had a secret little crush on Luke M, which takes Mike and probably every single viewer by surprise.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time watching this and being pretty surprised by this. I am going to go ahead and say that it's all fake that she's making it up.
1: Right, I'm still surprised by it. I mean, yes. Okay, is he handsome? Yes. Is he a decent person? Sure. But the way she made it sound was that she had, like, feelings for him, but they've never even spoken. And Mike even calls her out. He said, you would eat him alive. While these two are having their conversation, who should arrive glistening from the gym, looking like God himself? Thank you again, Mike. But Luke M., and he knows immediately that something's up. Mike and Shauna can't stop laughing. She's blushing. He thinks they have some hot goss. Yeah,
0: he doesn't know what's going on. Luke M is not the brightest dude.
1: No, but he knows something's up and he knows not to believe them when they say nothing's up. But they do a decent job of hiding him from this very awkward conversation.
0: Then Mike immediately turns around and tells Paige and Finn about this conversation with Shauna. Rude. And I just have to know, how does Paige not know already? I mean, she's shocked by this development. And I have to think that if she is shocked that Shauna has not told her about any feelings for Luke M.
1: It's all convenient. And I think we even suspected it last time, too, after we sat and thought about it. He's single-ish. He is a go-along-to-get-along kind of guy, more or less. And everybody knows that he's been dumped twice, and now Demi's got him strung along. Shauna's been dumped. They have a lot of public sympathy.
0: So here's what I don't understand. Why does Shauna not go for Jamie? Does she think that she has a better chance of winning if she couples up with Luke M? Absolutely. I don't know if she's right about that.
1: Paige calls her out. Shauna said that she realized her feelings when she was excited that Luke M and Natalia didn't work out but she didn't step in because she didn't want to hurt Demi or step on her toes or lose the friendship and so she's debating now who does she talk to first? Does she talk to Demi and say hey I'm going to try to move in on Luke M? Does she talk to Luke M first engage interest because there's no sense in rocking the boat with Demi if there's nowhere for it to go? Although to be fair if I were Demi and I heard that Shauna had talked to him with that intention and never told me about it even if he wasn't interested i could be a little annoyed too yeah this all seems kind of pointless anyway
0: it does all seem kind of pointless much like that little movie discussion
1: elf is a top-notch christmas film
0: yeah elf is great but jumanji too. better than the first one according to callum according to reality i think though what they're talking about is the sequel to the remake
1: Oh, well, then I have no opinion on either of those.
0: Yeah, I've seen a few scenes from the remake and it does look kind of funny, but I'm sure one day we will end up watching it.
1: But not the nun.
0: It's time for the most exciting, pointless game that actually is not pointless at all. When the season gets boring, it's time to spice things up.
1: And they've got the perfect musical intro. We're all going to get in a fight. Guaranteed to happen.
0: That's really the producers speaking to the cast.
1: And they know it. Luke T is cringing. Molly does not want to do this.
0: Nope. Things start off with a bang. The first question, Mike is branded as a game player.
1: After calling four girls a special connection. And this, of course, leads Priscilla to worry that there wasn't a fifth only because she responded to his interest.
0: Yeah, so she is now a little bit insecure. Good job, producers. Second question... We learn that Luke T's mom cried because he stayed loyal.
1: And I'm glad they interpreted that in the happy way. Yeah. Because it could have just as easily been interpreted in an ugly way.
0: I guess. Yeah. I think it was good vibes all around.
1: Those good vibes are not going to last.
0: Yeah. Because immediately we get Demi branded as a game player who faked interest in Nas.
1: You know, and the guesses were Callum and Shauna. Good guess. Mike and Jess. Good guess. Accusing Demi of faking interest in Nas is so harsh. It's so patently untrue. Are the press and public really so unwilling to accept that Nas was
0: desirable? Oh, totally. This is just racism.
1: It is some grade Z bullshit.
0: Yeah, it's total bullshit. I'm with you there.
1: Next one, though, not so surprising. Paige gets it right away.
0: Yeah. Natalia used Luke M. to get into the villa.
1: And Natalia says, well, people will just talk. You can't take it seriously. But Natalia knows that's exactly what happened. And of course, she's got to blow it off.
0: Everyone watching knows. Everyone in the cast knows that's what happened. And she still denies it. And then our fifth question. Mike is a snake because of how he reacted to Callum and Shauna's breakup. I think my
1: reaction mirrors the cast's. What?
0: Yeah. I have no idea what the heck this was about. I don't think anybody who didn't read that particular article has any idea what that headline is about. And Mike is rightfully annoyed. Everybody is confused. And that confusion continues with the sixth question where we learn that fans want Shauna and Luke M to couple up and win the game.
1: She definitely takes this as a quote unquote sign. And I think she hopes he does too.
0: Do you think anybody might have tipped off Shauna about the tabloid's desire to see her get together with Luke M?
1: I just think it's a cheap shot. It's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, I think it's very likely she would have figured that out herself.
1: Precisely. Even though this is not the last question, I think this is by far the biggest bomb dropped in this game, in this season. We all know loose lips sink ships. I don't think any of us expected it to come out this way. I think the producers expected that it would come out via gossip, but when it didn't, they had to drop the bomb somehow.
0: That's exactly what's going on here. It's because nobody betrayed Luke T's confidence. None of the guys said anything to the girls. And so the producers had to make sure to introduce this drama.
1: Well, Paige knew.
0: Oh yeah, that's right, and Paige didn't tell anybody.
1: So good on the housemates for keeping Luke T. secrets.
0: I think this is the first time in Love Island history that a secret has lasted more than 24 hours.
1: And had to be revealed by the producers, so it comes out to everybody that Luke T told the boys about Shaunice getting naked. She tries to deny that she got naked. Luke T says, I was naked too, but the damage has been done. Can Shawnice and Luke T. recover from this? Only time will tell.
0: Luke T. is kind of of the mind, look, what's the big deal here? I don't understand why two adults sleeping nude together is a scandal. But I think from Shawnice's perspective, it's more about the betrayal of trust, right?
1: Oh, 100%.
0: Yeah, she wants, she feels that now she doesn't know what Luke T. might be saying to the guys.
1: And, you know, it's like the difference between being dumped by the fire pit and being dumped in front of everybody after Casa Amor. Neither of those dumpings are fun, but I think it would have been a lot different had she heard from Paige that Luke T was talking about her versus in this horrible game designed to make people cry. That is an extra layer of insult.
0: Yeah, definitely sucks for her to find out like this.
1: But they're not satisfied yet. We got to get two more gut punches in.
0: Yeah, this next one is also super confusing to me at least. Where the tabloids say that Shauna has a lucky escape as Callum is set to cheat on Molly. With who? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand where the heck this is coming from.
1: I don't know. He has been nothing but set on her. He has been nothing but head over heels since he first saw her. So I don't know where they pulled that out of their ass. And then another.
0: And Molly is suspicious too, which makes no sense. I mean, I guess you're going to be in this game.
1: You're totally going to be suspicious.
0: Yeah. And then we wrap things up with.
1: One last pile of. Teeming horse crap.
0: Yeah, where the headline is Casa Amor causes Callum, Finn, and Nas. It causes their heads to turn on tonight's episode of Love Island.
1: Because Finn had a chat with Natalia where she flirted at him?
0: Yeah. And exactly. I say at
1: him, not with him, because he just kind of, you know, sat there and grinned and then slept outside.
0: These producers know what they're doing here. They know how to get at these islanders and push their buttons. And as we see next time, we will deal with the consequences of this game. Paige is upset.
1: Paige is going to flip her shit. Shaunice is a venerable opponent when it comes to a debate about one's behavior. She talked down Rebecca several times. So I would not want to be going up against Shaunice here, especially if I'm in the wrong.
0: That at least advances the narrative. I feel like a Luke T and Shaunice argument that hopefully gets resolved. At least that's new ground. Whereas the Paige and Finn Trust stuff is old ground. I feel like we've seen this before and it's not going to be as interesting to watch again.
1: Totes my goats. And Callum and Molly too. This will be their first real fight. And Callum is not great in a pinch, although he has improved. Shauna, again, teaching him more lessons about how to argue with a woman, how to deal with being confronted by shitty behavior, whether or not you're actually guilty of it.
0: And we will talk about it on next week's episode. Thank you for listening to Little Bit Leave It. You can, of course, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And you can also support us on Patreon if you really, really like the podcast. we got some cool stuff starting at just $2 per month. Patreon.com slash Little Bit Leave It. We are incredibly excited for our guests today. We know that a lot of you listening out there are interested in what goes on behind the scenes of reality TV shows and how they are produced.
1: And I'm sure many of you have considered trying out for a reality show. Or maybe you never did the application. Maybe you never sent the application. Maybe you sent the application and never heard from anybody. Or maybe you were on a date in the park and somebody approached you about a fake show. And the next thing you know, you're in a cab with Ben Bailey. But my cash cab story is for another time.
0: My older siblings applied to be on The Amazing Race together. And their submission video was two of them going from the top of Manhattan to the bottom of Manhattan as quickly as they could without spending any money along the way. There are some good stories from that expedition, but unfortunately, none of them involve getting contacted by the casting team.
1: So we really wanted to know what it does take and the process behind getting onto a reality show. So we have got Kathy and Joel from Worldwide Casting, who are going to tell us everything we need to know about getting on a reality show.
0: And Kathy and Joel are currently casting for a whole bunch of top reality TV shows, including Big Brother temptation island one of our favorites the circle and a whole whole lot more you can go check out their website worldwide-casting.com to see everything that they are currently casting
1: if none of you make it onto any of these shows i'm going to be very disappointed in you kathy joel thank you so much and welcome to a little bit leave it our pleasure we're happy to be here.
0: Excited to be here. So how did you two get involved in casting in the first place? I know that Kathy has been doing it for a while before she met you, Joel. So Kathy, maybe you want to give us a start how you got into the industry and then...
2: Yeah, um, a friend of mine and I, she was an actress at the time, which then I... She, she was not doing very well at the time because she was a childhood actress on commercials And I looked at some of her reels and I said, you were great as a kid, but it's not looking so good as an adult. So I think that you're such a go-getter though. Have you ever thought about getting into casting? And she said, no, actually I hadn't. So ironically, the very next day, she wound up being contacted by a longtime friend of hers who had gotten into casting in the meantime. And she said, Hey, would you want to be a casting assistant on something I'm working on? And she's like, Sure. It's weird that you even bring that up because we were just talking about this yesterday. So that was kind of the start. And I ran things behind the scenes. And she was more of like the send the emails, make contact with the people and so on and so forth. So that's how we got started. And then Joel came in not long after that. We had been doing casting probably for about, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe up to that point. And then Joel came in and he said, how how do you guys work all this? And we said, well, we just keep collecting business cards from people when we go out onto the streets and go into bars and go to the beach and go wherever we can find these people. Because that's how casting originally was done. And to some degree, it's still done that way to this day. But Joel came in and he said, so when you guys are looking for people, you file through these stacks of business cards. Is that how you do it? And we're kind of like, yeah. And he said, you guys need to get automated. You don't have a database? And we're like, no. And then he said, well, let me help you guys get your database going. So that's where he came in. And he took all those business cards and started logging all these names and information in. And all of a sudden, then from that point on, we started growing our database. And so that's where Joel came in. And he just started technical support with us piece by piece by piece until we got to a point where we were really f- high functioning.
3: Yeah, I basically helped them take things from where casting was and how it was done at the time. And I have a web development background, so with the tech things that I knew at the time, I helped them get into the hybrid of how it was done to how it is done today and will be done in the future.
1: When ish are we talking about? I'm just curious. Can you place us in time? It was about seven what
3: years year ago. Was that?
0: 2013,
2: 2014. I mean, we've been at this for quite a while, so it's like the years go blurring by.
0: I've heard you say that your agency is different from others that you know of. Can you talk about that a little more? Explain, explain that to us?
3: Well, I would say the difference is in terms of more of on the production side of things. So when we're dealing with how we actually find the people that we do, that we send over to the producers or the casting directors or the casting producers for the shows, the people that we find and the methods that we find them are different than any other casting company out there. And going into the specifics of how we do that is more so our secret weapon of how we do that. So,
0: oh, yeah, we're not asking for your proprietary info and your big secrets, but basically, you guys get people onto shows you on in a different way, or do you find people in a different way?
3: We definitely find people in a different way. The people that we do find, we like to tell them that producers and whatnot, like these people have never even thought about being on TV. So they're the kind of people who are going to be really authentic on camera. They're not, they're not the typical people that you would regularly see on reality.
2: Because the way it's done right now with the vast majority of people, as far as we know, we're the only ones who do what we do and do it the way that we do it. And what they're still doing is they're basically making cold calls or doing street recruiting or sending things out on Instagram or whatever, bots crawling around trying to find people. And it's gotten to the point because reality TV has been going for so long now that they keep drawing. They're all going to the same pools now. So they're not finding unique people. They don't know how to target them properly. They don't know how to reach in and get people, like Joel was saying, who've never even thought about being on TV before. So it's taken us the last three to four years to actually get to the point where this is workable, because anybody else who's tried doing it the way we're doing it has failed at doing it because they just haven't put in the time, the money, the conscientiousness, just the the things that all of a sudden, so we just started finding one piece after another and those pieces started clicking together. And when they all started really working together, we realized, wow, we have something that nobody else is doing, and it's extremely effective. And people who we cast for are blown away with the kind of people we give them. They're really, really happy because we're not giving them repeats. We're not giving, we're not recycling people that have been recycled a million times. We're getting all fresh people on a regular basis. And that's something they didn't even think it would be able to happen that way. Because it's been done such a slow, expensive way for so long. So it's been
1: pretty exciting. So let's talk about these people. What kinds of people usually approach you? What kinds of people are excited to be on reality TV?
3: When you asked that question, I immediately thought of basically everybody and anybody you can think of. We definitely receive a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a ton of emails. And then when you go onto our website, you'll see all the application forms there. And the amount of submissions that we get is an overwhelming amount. So when we're going through who these people are, like they are people from all walks of life. And they are from all over the world, literally, for different reasons, obviously, in life and what their circumstances are. But it's always pretty crazy to go through them and as a kid and even growing up, I was always had this thing where I'm driving around in the car or something and looking around, I'm like, what do all these people do every day? Like, what is everyone actually doing every single day? And this gives us a glimpse into that. Definitely. All these people are just like everybody else, just like you, just like me, like basically just trying to find out what's going on. And also people going through a lot of struggles, a lot of struggles yeah. happening in people's lives. And they want and are looking for something different. Yeah. We get a lot of those kind of applications.
2: You know, they just feel like maybe if they were able to get on a reality show that somehow, which it would, I mean, it changes people's lives (laughs) without question. We always try to kind of prepare them for what's to come, because once you start into the production side of things and you're actually being produced, the show itself is being produced it's pretty overwhelming for them. So it's kind of like we try to prepare them and it makes a big difference for them. And the way that we go about picking people is we have a certain criteria that they're looking for. So if they check all these boxes that meet the criteria, then that at least we put them into the category of consideration, right? Because some people will just apply. They're they they they're not even close to what we're looking for, but they figure, what the heck? And that's fine. I mean, because maybe if they're not right for the show we're working on or they applied to, they might be perfect for another show. Yeah. And so we always tell people, don't ever be discouraged to submit to something because you never know what you're going to be right for. And you're going to be in our database and we will pull you up because... All the information is there, and we'll know, hey, they weren't right for this, but hey, let's check them out and see if they're gonna work for this show it's It's crazy. I would I mean, in a way, it would be funny if we were reading off some of the submissions that we get because their lives they just go into these stories, and we're just saying, "Wow, there's so many people. I told Joel we should we should do a show where. We, we just select all the people who've been turned down for so long and just make a show happen for them because it would be
1: really interesting. I'll
2: tell you that. Much. I would totally watch
1: that. I was actually thinking while Joel was speaking, I would love to see all of these different people from all over the place and what's in their brain, what's got them ticking, who are they now, who are they trying to be? Right. What's going on in their life and
2: I mean it, it really is interesting. We find ourselves just going into people's lives and saying, "Wow, look at what's going on in these people's lives and where they're at right now." And they'll they'll reapply and reapply and reapply and there's times where all of a sudden, "Hey, this show's right for them. Let's let's get let's give it a shot." We're not the ones who make the final decision, but we definitely can influence have an influence over who gets on the show if they're if we've worked with them before and they're and they know that we really are really good at picking people so that's kind of fun too
0: and when you're evaluating the applications that you receive Joel, you mentioned I think the idea that producers want people who are going to be their authentic selves so when you're reviewing those applications, are there things that you look for? You mentioned the stories that they tell. Are you looking for a certain amount of honesty or openness, or are you just looking for somebody who has really dramatic things to say?
3: I mean, there's two ways that we kind of think about it as we're looking over these applications, which is, in general, how do they come across are they interesting to keep on reading about them and what the answers that they're giving are talking about themselves? And then we're also thinking about the producer part of it, where what, are, what might they be thinking as we send them into them? How are they going to respond to these people? So there are a lot of times when we're going through the applications where we make some minor adjustments, not to change their point of view or what it is that they're trying to get across, but just how it's perceived by the producers. We try and help that as much as possible especially with applications that we think are great ones and could potentially be overlooked, like Kathy was saying, Mm -hmm. but we try and give them a little leg up so that maybe they would be selected. I don't know. We just get so many applications and actually going through them. It's kind of like a reality show in itself. Like Kathy was saying, if there was a camera, like a shared screen and then basically just ripping through these people, it's so interesting. I mean, you kind of get lost for a while. As we're going through them, that, you just see time kind of ticking by and it's like you're watching another reality show right there the actual real one
2: yeah i mean there's hundreds and hundreds of people that apply so it's hard to keep your focus on what okay we're trying to pick these people we'll just get caught up in their stories because joel will be like Cows, look listen to this story i mean listen to what's going on with them and it's crazy and and it's what we love to do a lot of people are happy to have people like us because they don't like casting. It's a really laborious process, but in the end, that's who winds up on all these different shows are, we're kind of the ones that at the end of the day, found the people and bring them onto the shows. And so we
1: love it, but. Most people just say, oh, how can you go through all this? It's so tedious. So it's really you two doing all this. There's no like assistance or anything, right? This is.
3: Yeah, like how it's run on a daily basis or for different shows or projects. They're all kind of unique. So the amount of actual recruiting or the amount of outreach or what's actually involved, it changes on a project basis. The one thing that's different about us is we're very tech backgrounded. So we do a lot of pre-work in terms of like scripting, coding, background work, and we try and to automate as much as possible, but there are still humans behind it. Like, for instance, as we're going through them all, to answer your last question, Ben, you know, we have the certain criteria that we have to include with the people before we send them. They can't just be somebody who doesn't meet certain criteria. If they're only looking for women, we don't send men if they're looking within a certain age group, we try and stay within those boundaries. So there is the criteria that we make sure as we're going through them all, we'll pull a a list or a report of all the applications that meet these certain checkboxes. Then there's the more personality, physical appearance that has to go through by humans, by us. So then we'll go through those. But then ultimately, all of those final selections, they get sent over to Kathy here and she makes the choices of, yes, yes, we need more info on this person, get some more photos of this person, ask this person these certain questions and then they'll be good to send off.
2: Because you want to present them in the best way you can. And sometimes they'll, that's one thing to re- recommend to people, make sure when you apply to something, send as good of pictures as you can, yes. because it really does make a difference how you come across and try to you know, keep real specific on what you're answering so that it's easy to take your submission and use it instead of us having to correct it too much because it does take a lot of time we we think oh wow these people would be really great but we got to cut up their submission form a bit and make it be usable for the producers so they could just rip right through them say yes no maybe
0: once you've made that decision to send somebody's application to a casting producer how do you prepare somebody to go on to a reality show
2: we tell them look it's gonna seem intimidating when you talk to the producers because then it's out of our hands we're really user friendly to people so they warm up to us really quickly because we're trying to help them get on the show right But then when they get changed over, and if they're chosen, then they get into the hands of the producers, and they are tough on them. And so I tell them, don't look at that as a bad thing. If they're intimidating, don't think that that's a problem, ultimately. Just know you don't have to be afraid. They're just looking to kind of vet it all out and give it a shakedown. And they're going to seem aggressive sometimes. They're going to seem... in sort of over the top, you're like, wow, I'm just applying to a reality show. I didn't know I was going to be taken apart. So I tell them, don't have that be the thing that stops you from continuing. Because once they shake it down a little bit, you'll see if they actually really like you at that point, you'll move on to the next spot. So that's a really important thing to let them know, because before we started doing that, people would recontact us and say, wow, that was serious. And they were really hard on us. And so it's it's not really something to be afraid of. It's just something to know is going to be happening. The more we can prepare them, the better off their interview is going to go. And a lot of times they'll let us know, wow, that was really helpful because they did exactly what you said and we knew what to do about it. That's just an example of something that we do
1: that must feel really good they'll feel like you're in their corner and i don't know that much about show business but i feel like my first impression is what you were just saying that painting that picture of the producers kind of coming hard at you to see what you're made of right to have that little cozy corner must feel like a really good start i don't know i'm kind of inspired ben
0: you're kind of inspired i'm kind
1: of inspired okay this face well minus the sunburn this face was made for tv
0: Big thanks to Kathy and Joel from Worldwide Casting. You can find out what shows they are currently casting at worldwide casting.com and they are all over social media. That was part one of our interview. Part two will pick up next week.
1: Hi, this is like a public service announcement or whatever. Rufus Rudderman, the esteemed first chairperson of the lunch council, do I really have to say that? And who may or may not be my father, a lot of secrets, ma, was last seen at 4.30 in the morning on Friday, June 25th, in the parking lot of a hoe-in-one mini-golf and gentleman's lounge on Route 35 in Keyport, New Jersey. He was driving a white Cadillac Escalade with New Jersey plates reading RR Da Man. Oh my God. Mr. Ruderman is a white 55 year old male. He'll tell you he's 45, but he's a liar. Ow, ma, stop. With jet black hair, check for stains on his temples, five foot six and 200 pounds. He was wearing a douchey Robert Graham button down shirt with a giant ass Technicolor skull on it. Guess he graduated from Ed Hardy shiny gray slacks, and gray skull smoking slippers, also by Robert Graham. His Rudy Giuliani worshiping ass probably had on a pinky ring too. If you have seen this prick, please contact his office at 732-Meatman, extension 6969. Really? And ask for my mother, Sheila. You let him do that? A $500 voucher for Peter Pecker Foods products is being offered as a reward for any information leading to his capture. I mean, finding him. But please, don't look too hard. Okay, fine, sorry. Seriously though, please help us. I cannot listen to my mother's hysterics much longer.
0: And we will pick up with Kathy and Joel next week with the second part of our interview with Worldwide Casting.
1: If you're already ready to go sign yourself up for casting, it is worldwide-casting.com. Get yourself on TV, folks. They're looking for you.
0: And then you can also follow them on social media. They are on all of the social media and its worldwide-casting is generally the handle that they use.
1: And they will answer you. It might not be immediately, but they answer all your inquiries. So if you have any questions or concerns, they will get back to you.
0: What would your concerns be?
1: Like, am I pretty enough? Yeah, okay, okay.
0: Okay. So I think it's time for us to get into Culture Shock. We've got a few today, right?
1: I have got three.
0: Wow. Then you can get us started.
1: All right. This is going to get a little lengthy. So I apologize in advance for you learning something. You uneducated Philistines.
0: Is it Philistine or Philistine? I
1: don't know. Maybe Philistine was my grandmother's neighbor. I can't remember. Yeah,
0: I think it's Philistine.
1: All right. All All you Philistines out there. When Jess gets her 5 a.m. text, Ian jokes that the PPI people are relentless. So I figured it was like a debt collecting thing because I think that's a pretty universal experience. But there's actually an interesting story about PPI. So let's get into some financial scandal, shall we? Okay. Starting in around 2008 or 2009, people who were taking out loans like small business loans, credit cards, mortgages, were being sold payment protection insurance. PPI. And it was designed to help you make repayments should you get laid off or be disabled, have an accident or an illness, something that left you without income.
0: Okay, so it's an insurance plan in case you can't cover your mortgage. They will pay your mortgage payment while you can't cover it for some period of time. Right. But it also creates another debt for you. Right.
1: Right. Right. Depending on the kind of loan you had, a lump sum loan, you would pay it up front. You would buy the PPI up front. If you had a credit card or a mortgage, something that was a monthly payment, you would pay a monthly premium on top of your repayment. Got it. However, these PPI plans were often missold like on a huge scale because it was super profitable for the lenders.
0: Wow. Imagine that.
1: Most of the payments that people were making weren't going to the companies underwriting these loans. They were going as a commission to the companies selling them. Many customers weren't aware that they were buying the policy. They didn't want the policy, but they were pressured into it, being told, oh, you can't get this credit card if you don't buy this on top of it. They were advised to take out policies that were unsuitable, like a self-employed person would be pushed into buying a policy that didn't help them if their business failed or whatever. Or... They weren't being made aware of, like, if you had a pre-existing illness and that was going to cause you to lose work, they weren't aware that the policy they were being sold wouldn't help them with that either.
0: Wow, sounds a lot like our insurance industry.
1: Right? So in 2014, there was a Supreme Court case, Plevin versus Paragon Personal Finance Limited. And I'm not going to get into the whole detail of the case, but the result was that customers could make claims for any PPI loans that they had where the company was taking more than 50% commission. So if you took out a small business loan, right, for $10,000.
0: Or pounds in this case.
1: Yeah, for 10,000 pounds. If they were charging you over 5,000 pounds in PPI for it, which would be 50%, they were charging you 5,200 pounds, like you could make a claim on that 200 and get reimbursed.
0: Well, I guess it's not, it's not nothing.
1: No, but there were further court cases and finally claimants were allowed to claim the whole reimbursement for that whole PPI loan. Great. And as almost all PPI policies earned high commission rates, that was huge. And there were so many claims. Over 38 billion pounds had been paid out by the summer of 2019 when the complaint period closed.
0: Holy crap.
1: That's $44 billion.
0: $44 billion in money that crooked insurance agencies and financial institutions stole from the British people got returned.
1: And there was an article from summer 2020 where there were hundreds of thousands of registered claims remaining outstanding and new claims have started rolling in. So that's the PPI scam. Wow. Yes.
0: Good for the British.
1: Okay. Then we've got up the duff, which we mentioned before does mean pregnant. It usually refers to an unplanned pregnancy.
0: So I guess we know what duff means. I do. Do you? Tell us.
1: The OED dates the term to 1941 in Australia. Duff is a flour pudding boiled in a bag or a dumpling. So it's like bun in the oven, right? It's like a euphemism kind of in that same vein. Duff was a northern pronunciation of dough. Ruff, Rough, R-O-U-G-H. Yep. And so wouldn't it follow? Duff, D-O-U-G-H. That pronunciation of dough wasn't widely heard in the UK, but it is much more used in Australia. And so up the duff, bun in the oven.
0: So the Scottish girl gives us the Australian slang. Well,
1: because it came from the north of the UK originally.
0: The people from the north of the UK went down to Australia.
1: All right. I got one more and this one's fun. You ready? Yep. When Molly gets dunked, she yells, bloody Nora.
0: Yeah. What was that?
1: So bloody Nora is a minced oath. You know, a way to make a swear word less bad, like see you next Tuesday or H-E double hockey sticks. Okay. For bloody hell. So where did that come from? The origin is unknown, but the Guardian had asked readers to take a stab at it. And here are my two favorites. I'm going to read them word for word. Bloody Nora was originally called Nora and the maid for the wealthy Duke Woodingtonshire, sorry, I probably said that wrong, in the 17th century. She earned the name Bloody Nora after she killed a servant of the Duke with a stick of celery. When the Duke caught her repeatedly slapping the bloody corpse with a stick of celery, he shouted, Oh dear God, you're all bloody, Nora! and after beating her, he banished her to a basement cell for three years. When the three years was up, the Duke set her free, but Nora insisted on working for the Duke. Reluctantly, the duke gave her a job cleaning the stables, only to find four days later she had killed another servant, this time with a kettle. When the duke found her once again maiming her victim with a dented kettle, he cried, Oh, bloody Nora! and grabbed a horseshoe in an attempt to kill Nora. After a long struggle, Nora escapes, leaving the battered duke cussing to himself, Bloody Nora! The expression came from the Duke himself, as he would tell the story of Nora to all he knew and would always refer to her as Bloody Nora. As the Duke aged, he grew senile. He would be heard talking to himself and shouting, Bloody Nora! And as people around him saw him still as a respected figure in the community, they all started saying Bloody Nora, as they all thought the Duke has invented a new cuss word. It has stuck until the present day. So thank you, Ronnie, from Essex for that.
0: Ronnie from Essex.
1: This one's a little bit more plausible. Nora is not a woman's name, but a form of the word horror. The phrase started off as flaming horror or flipping bloody horror, etc. As a cry of dismay or disbelief. In the normal Cockney manner, the final G and the opening H were dropped to produce something that sounded like flaming aura. And that in turn over the years became flaming Nora or bloody Nora as a stronger alternative. So Nora wasn't a person at all, but the result of an accent. And thank you, David, from Weybridge.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me, from my knowledge of how languages evolve.
1: Somebody else blamed the Cockneys, too. They blamed fake Cockneys in the 90s. So linguistically, that's probably the more reliable one. But I couldn't let a story about Nora the murderous servant go to waste.
0: Yeah, though there are some interesting classist undertones to that story, right?
1: It's a story.
0: It's a story, yeah. The premise of this entire podcast is that Love Island is much more than a reality game show for dating. Nothing is ever just a story.
1: All right there, Woke Willie. What's yours?
0: Mine is penguins. Because Ian makes a remark that, hey, how come Jess and Ched got penguins? These cheap producers wouldn't even shell out for a Kit Kat. Penguins, unsurprisingly, is an English candy actually it's two long chocolate cookies and in between the cookies is like chocolate cream
1: that sounds friggin delicious
0: penguins are pretty old they've been around since 1932 and then ian also mentions that they have a joke or a quote-unquote funny fact printed on every wrapper of course we have that in the united states with some of our popsicle sticks In addition to the chocolate flavor, they have an orange flavor, a mint flavor, and a toffee flavor.
1: Dude, I'm really hungry now. Can we stop talking about cookies so we can finish the show?
0: Yeah, they also made some spinoffs. There are penguin chuckas, wingdings, flipper dippers, splats, and mini splats. They're all part of the penguin family.
1: That is amazing.
0: The last thing I have is just a reminder of a Tony Blair. I think, is it Shauna mentions a Tony Blair? Yeah, it's
1: usually Shauna. Yeah,
0: she's the one who uses Cockney rhyming slang the most frequently. And that's what it is. Tony Blair means nightmare.
1: Okay. I believe it is time for a very, very abbreviated T and A report. And really it's mostly just a T report. The T report with a little A. We only have two.
0: Only thing I have is Ched's cool shirt that he wore on the date.
1: Yeah, well, I liked Jess and Ched's matching outfits. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but it was very cute. And Ched's shirt gets a special mention there. Cause that shirt was dope. The other one I have was Paige's lacy black bikini, the daytime equivalent of the nipple top. Dangerous. So on that note, we've been talking long enough. I think it's time to do what they all want. Yep. What they all came here for.
0: We know why you're here. Rank. The.
1: Couples. These rankings were pretty tough because nobody really has a good episode except for the top two. I think we should start at the top.
0: Let's start at the top because everybody knows who had the best episode Number one, it's Mike and Priscilla.
1: Despite her concerns. Yeah. The difference between one and two was not huge. And I think it's arguable that it could go either way. I really wanted to put our number two people at number one. We have Jess and Chad at number two. It was nice to see them get their own episode. They had good conversations. Their relationship has definitely progressed. But Mike just owns this episode. So between their night in the hideaway and Mike's Mike-ness, Mike and Priscilla, number one.
0: Yeah, this might be the best Mike episode we've seen all season.
1: Well, the last one was pretty good too.
0: Yeah, no, Mike is firing on all cylinders right now.
1: So yeah, Mike and Priscilla, Jess and Ched at number three. It's Jamie. Jamie trying to get the facts about Callum, trying to make moves on Shauna. He
0: does everything he said he was going to do. He talks to all the girls he wants to talk to. Jamie is making it happen.
1: I feel like there should be, like, a 70s, like, TV theme.
0: Yeah, there should be a doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. Jamie's making it happen.
1: Yeah, kind of like a Mary Tyler Moore kind of thing, but about Jamie.
0: At number four, it's Shauna.
1: And this is not so much a reward as a she's less annoying this week.
0: Yeah, she's less annoying.
1: She stands up for herself in a way that it was not aggressive, that did make some people think. She's got Jamie interested in her. She's coming up with a new tactic.
0: Yeah, no, just like Jamie, Shauna is... Making it happen. Do, do, see- do, 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 do. Shauna's making it happen. Now I
1: could see Shauna legitimately in a Mary Tyler Moore type show.
0: Absolutely. On the opposite end, someone who does not make it happen, but things do seem to happen to him. At number five, it's Luke M.
1: Luke M. Always girls interested in him. He glistens like a god. At number six, and this is less because of her own doings and more because of what is done to her, Shawnee's. She didn't do anything wrong, but she's getting the short end of the stick here.
0: At number seven, another individual. We haven't had a couple since number two. Number seven is Demi.
1: Yep, she's just there.
0: Yeah. Back to a couple. Finally, at number eight, it's... Wait, is this Finn and Callum?
1: Well, they're both definitely in the doghouse, but neither of them did anything wrong. So again, they're not there because of things they have done, but things that have been done to them. They did not have a good episode because of those things.
0: And at number nine, back by her lonesome, though still in a couple, it's Molly.
1: Yeah, she's going to rake Callum across the coals. And I don't think he deserves that. I guess it's not fair to rank people based on what's going to happen next week. But suck it. This is our show.
0: At number 10, Paige and Luke T. Wait a second. They're not together.
1: Well, Luke T is in some fucking trouble. He's in big trouble, as we mentioned before. And Paige is going to make trouble. Yeah. They're in trouble. Luke T and Paige are in the doghouse.
0: They are in trouble. But still, it's not enough to get them in the basement. Coming in. At number 11, as usual, Natalia.
1: She just contributes nothing and needs to be kicked out of the house.
0: Yeah, just the worst thing. I really wish that Luke M. had brought Jamie back.
1: And I believe that is all the things that we needed to say.
0: Yeah, so next week we will be back with another episode. We're going to talk about episode 29. We're going to have our interview with Worldwide Casting. It'll be another great episode of Love Island and another great episode of Little Bit Leave It. So until then. Please email us, littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com, and hit us up on social media. I am at Twitter at podcast.
1: I'm at LBLIPeng. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Find us. Cheer us on. Jeer us on.
0: Yeah. Quick shout out to our British listeners. Thanks for putting us back on those Apple podcast charts for the second time. Thanks, guys.
1: So get pumped, get stumped, get humped.
0: And again, our British listeners, you can play along with us doing Fantasy Love Island. The Americans, you can play also, but we are going to keep our results hidden until all of our American audiences can see the show. Until then, from Staten Island
1: to Love Island,
0: I'm not a geek, I'm a unique weasel,
1: buddy.